Welcome to the Tradie Success Podcast by Annette Wellsford, founder of Common Sense Marketing and Tradie Marketing Secrets. Annette's on a mission to help honest, hardworking tradies like you to become marketing geniuses. So you end up spending less time on the tools and more time growing a great business. Hi and welcome. Today I'm very privileged to be having a chat with Colourbond Kenny. <laughs> That's his nickname. Kendrick Myers, Colourbond Kenny, owns Brisbane's first premium Colourbond roofing and cladding company. He has a team of 13 employees and no subcontractors, which we'll talk about. What they do is they install Colourbond roofing and cladding to residential and commercial properties throughout southeast Queensland. He's also, in addition to doing that, he gets quite involved with helping architects, builders and role formers to achieve a better overall quality finish by working closely with them to improve the installation process. So he's also helping them to evolve their products and and make them different and better and take over some of the marketplace and we'll get into that in a little bit. He did mention in our pre-chat that building up his business has not been easy. It's um, like it is for most of us, I guess, has been a bit of a roller coaster, but in the last year, things have improved considerably and his business growth is steadier and his revenue is more predictable. Isn't that what we all want? (laughs) So today, Kenny's going to share with us his insights about building his trade business and what has worked, what's not worked and how he's managed to step away from the tools and become a trade business owner and take charge of his future. Look forward to finding out more. Welcome Kendrick. G'day Annette, thank you very much for having me. (laughs) It's good to be talking to you and before we get into all the nitty-gritty, tell me about the best day on the job that you've ever had? Oh, the best day on the job. Uh, well, I had a call from a customer who was quite desperate uh, with getting a completion done to her, her build uh, of an American-style barn shed that was going to be used to live in for a little while while they build their, their main uh, place of residence. And they had a really strict timeline and the company that they'd arranged to do the work wasn't getting back to them uh, that she'd lost a lot of confidence with them. And so she called me out of doing a Google search, I think, and uh, I was able to go out and I saw her uh, and we were able to put something together very quickly. But because I, I'm off the tools, I was able to help her out, which gave me a lot of satisfaction. And what, what really made it the best day in business was because it was exactly why we're in business was why I was going to that job. The project that we were doing was it ticked every single box of what we got into business for. So that's what really made it the, uh, the best When you say it ticked every box, what you meant, um, the type of client or the type of project or? Um, well, the type of client to a degree, yes, but the type of project and the materials we're using and get, being able to do the, from the design point of view. So there was an architect that did the original design, but we were able, we were given free license to install everything the way that we best saw fit for the best result. Oh, brilliant. So we're, yeah, we were free to do it the way we really wanted to do it ourselves. And, and what was the outcome? Sensational. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> fantastic. The, the client has people stop uh, at the top of their driveway and take photos quite often. Oh. 
Wow. They've had people come and knock on their door in, uh, on a Saturday morning asking who did it, what, how did they come up with it, um, where can they get theirs. Wow. So she's become like a, an advocate for you. That's brilliant. Oh, very much so. And they've still got their house to build as well with that. And they're very, with, with how it's gone so far, um, then they're not going to go anywhere else to, uh, to get that done or the, the cladding done on and roofing on their house that they're about to build. That's, that's, that's such a good story. Thanks for sharing that. Well, okay. that kind of leads into, let's start off with um, your business is called My Cladding. And my Cladders, My Cladders, yeah, actually. My Cladders, is it? Yeah. Sorry yeah, with about an S that. On the <laughs> Sorry about that. So, and and um, obviously, you, as we mentioned briefly in the intro, you do roofing, but you also do building cladding. But let's... And, and I'm sure you're not the only ones in the market. Well, we know there's plenty of other roofers around. I'm sure there's other cladders around. But I, I'm interested to find out what makes my cladders different. What sets us apart from other people, I guess, is the fact that we specialise in colour bond cladding mm -hmm. of the, the premium profiles of the colour bond cladding. So we don't get involved with timber cladding or, say, copper cladding. And okay. However, we could we could do it. It's not what we're niching ourselves to be. We're we're building ourselves as a, a company which 100% uses colour bond, and the profiles that their roll formers can make will install. That's what we we set ourselves apart. So we can do roofing, and we but we specialise in cladding. Right. So the interesting part about it is when a building company goes to get colour bond installed as cladding they go to roofing companies to get it done. However, most roofing companies aren't set up or have the expertise or have the teams or contractors or employees to be able to do it, um, where we're the opposite. We'll wow. have, we'll have, we're a roofing company that is set up to do all of that cladding. Um, and we actually have quite a number of roofing companies get us to do their cladding for them rather than, so that they, we're not trying to steal their uh, clients off them. We're there to assist them yep. have a higher value product for their clients. And are you builders? Yes, we're also builders, yes. That's oh, okay. All right. So that's a bit of a niche as well. And tell me, is the colour bond style of cladding, you know, is that growing in popularity? Oh, very much so. Very much so. So um, whereas in the past, colour bond cladding was seen as you're just putting your corrugated iron, which everyone knows, you're putting that on the walls uh, like a shed. And so everyone related it to being a shed and then people started using it uh, around 10 years ago a bit more in uh, facades on houses and, and businesses but they didn't really go down the line of making it a real feature mm -hmm. uh, it was more so just to break up and give a bit more texture but now the last five years we've really noticed that architects for commercial and for residential properties they're utilizing the the profiles so these profiles were once used in europe in locations where it snows and it needs to handle the snow where they'd put ply down and then put these flat pans with ribs over the top to waterproof it they're bringing that into facades for houses in queensland so that's that sort of thing which is growing which it might not be a whole house of 300 square meters it might just be 30 square meters or 50 square meters to give a whole different look so the colour bond cladding as we knew it 10 years ago is totally different to what it is now. And it's definitely growing with programs like The Block really pushing it and new colours with, say, the, the matte range of colour bond. It's really added a whole heap of different feel to the end result of 
the feeling of the home. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? Mm. Okay. Well, let's shift gears for a minute now and talk a little bit about the business side of things. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you mentioned to me is that you actually have a team of employees and not contractors. Why is that? In the past, we've had contractors and employees. Uh, originally, I started out as a contractor myself who I only had employees. And when we started up the, the licensed company, we took on both because that's how other companies ran. And so to emulate other companies, I, I just tried to copy what they do. And as we got busier and we got work, we'd take on contractors. And we found that you'd, you'd have some good contractors and more so not so good when trying to do the cladding. Contractors like to come in, make their money and go home. And that's not an insult on them or an attack on them. But in, when it comes to the cladding, there's a lot of intricate things in there where some jobs they might not make very good money. And so holding on to contractors to do that work, we, we found very difficult. And getting the quality of finish was more, I'd say we're, we're three or four times better off using employees for the quality of finish and helping our customers achieve the desired result. Okay, so it's to do with the employees sort of have more pride or, or, or they're more committed or engaged because it's not because they're part of your permanent team rather than just exactly. in and out. Yeah, yeah well, they're, they're, being part of the team, they all, a lot of the guys that have been people that I've trained myself or, or people I've trained have trained them. And so they all feel as they're part of something which is growing and they can see the momentum going and they get a lot out of that. So as a team, they see that they're not just out there to make money, but they're growing something which has a lot of potential for the future. Oh, that's great. So how do you, apart from sort of, you know, keeping them in steady work and the steady pay and everything, how do you keep them sort of engaged and motivated and, you know, and how long have they been with you, all that sort of stuff? Well, look, it's, it's, that's definitely a challenging one which to answer cleanly is not, I don't find easy. I always think I need to motivate them and and do something because I'm here in the office and they're out on the field. And I found it was very easy when I'm out in the field with them on site because I could take them for lunch or take them down to the pub on a Friday afternoon, whereas now it's a bit different. So the way that we, well, what we do these days is at least once a year we'll go away camping somewhere. Um, we've been on a hunting trip before. We've gone fishing. We're uh, organising right now a top golf outing. Oh, great. And quite often, like we had at our office the other day, we had a bonfire and everyone came in and we were able to just stand around and have a good old chat with each other, not so much talking about work. Um, but then when it comes to work sides of things, I try to focus more so on their, what's happening and what's working well for them. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying, oh, look, this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working, we try and focus on what is working so that we can get momentum opposed to, Everyone's starting to feel down, oh, I tried something and it didn't work. So that's another way that we try and keep everything motivated, but it's a constant battle. And do you keep them informed of the business growth or or do you keep that, you know, the... No, constantly. At least once a week I'll try and talk to every single person in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time it's more than once a week. And... In those conversations, there might be a 15, 20-minute phone call, mm-hmm. but we'll, I'll discuss these are the jobs that we've got coming up. We've, we've won a job for a particular new client or we're starting to pick up some work with other people. Uh, I'll, I'll share with them projects. And I'll, we have a Facebook page, which is a private group that we use, that we all uh, communicate on and share photos of what we've done that day. And we can That's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. So you're really keeping the, like building a community, I suppose, with your team. So you're not allowing the sort of 
the remoteness to overcome you. Yeah. Well, very much. And with, with that one, they post their photos of the work that they've done. And every week I get on and I'll, I'll go through and I'll screenshot and all the photos that they've put on. And I've, put that up onto a weekly, um, which I've missed a few weeks, but put them up onto a weekly This Week at My Clatters post, which goes on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and they get a lot of satisfaction seeing their work. Oh, how lovely. That's really lovely. So what are the most challenging parts of running your business and being being the top dog rather than one of the boys? Yeah, the challenging, there's there's lots of them because being in business is just, a big challenge, but I found separating my emotions from business. Oh yeah. So basically, for example, if I stress about having enough work to keep the team busy, my sales pitch is no good. And if I change my mindset and focus on customers, I get more work. So it's kind of, I need to make sure that I focus on what is important rather than letting irrational decisions cloud my judgment and, and that's a constant thing that I've got to remind myself I'm, I must say I'm better at it now than I yeah. was but keeping a rational mind yeah yeah we can all get a little bit overwhelmed by things like you know meeting the payroll or meeting the tax man or things that have gone wrong and yeah, we don't, and it's very important that we, that your customers don't pick up on any of that because we should be focusing on them. So, good on you for for working at that. It's just, it's a hard thing to achieve. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly is. But on the other the other side of what's most challenging in that is the employees, and I think everyone that's ever been in business that has a, a number of employees, they find it a massive challenge in hiring the right staff because they're, they're part of your team that you're going to invest a lot of your time and money and, and emotions into. And so we've, we've put in place for employees, we've put in place an um, outsourced contractor to hire, not hire them, but go through the first two stages of the hiring process, I guess. So weeding out the ones that aren't most suitable. Yeah, and so yeah. basically I'll let them know, and this is a, a personal friend of mine who works in that area, of the recruitment and he knows exactly what our mission is, our goals are. He knows what our values of our customer is so that anyone that gets to stage two with him, if they don't meet those, he won't even let me know that he's talking to anyone. And so when they come to that last stage, I already know that he believes 100% that they're a fit for our team. And so it's more so a very, very casual meeting that I'm having with the people. Oh, look, so that must save you a lot of time. Well, it, it, it does more, not so much in just the interviewing process, but it saves so much time of failing over and over again with staff and putting the wrong people into positions, yeah. which yeah. over the last 12 years, we've had 200 plus employees. So it's not something I want to continue doing. So we've put that and So that was our most challenging. And now that's really, now that we've put that in place, it has, it's not so much a challenge anymore. Oh, that's great. So it's good to hear. So, so now you'd be focusing more on being the team leader and that sort of thing instead of, and particularly now that you've got the team that is your A team, so yeah. to speak. So how much of your day, well, let's talk about how you spend your days. How much of your day is focused on managing your team or, and what other kind of things? Let's, let's have a talk, you know, for, for those listeners that we have who are in the position of building their trade business and they're thinking, well, you know, I'm so damn busy now. What, what if I got even busier with and hired more people and got more work on? What would I be doing? <laughs> right. So, so what do you what, do as a business owner running a team? Well, look, um, I can put that. It's it's a 
it's another complex. You've got a great question here. There's another complex sort of <laughs> question which you don't realise you know all these things, but in the back of your head you just do it automatically. But to put it in what do I do each day, um, I pretty much I start fairly early. I'm out of bed at five. Um, I'm in the office by six and I go through my to-do lists and I'll sometimes if I'll go direct and meet with customers before coming into the office and then I'll start with my to-do list, which is predominantly quoting uh, and then communicating with builders and clients to finalise quotes or to make sure that I'm quoting exactly what they're requiring or to help them with those. I also spend time with suppliers and I'll, I'll probably have two or three meetings a week with different role formers or manufacturer of products that we use. Most of the time it's with people we already use rather than people who are trying to get our business. As over the past five years, we've built a trusted group of people that we work with and partner with. But so also with that, I spend a lot of the day managing the team and making sure I'm available for them to make uh, if they need some specific information or they need... So do you manage them all individually or do you have like a project manager or a team leader or how does that work? Well, I don't manage anyone ex- individually except for our project manager. Right. So our, the way that we set the business up was so that each person that's running a job, we treat them like their own project manager, like a foreman. So they have a lot of ability to order materials or access all the, the files, access all the documents and data that they need to do their job. And then so they work with the team. So they'll do a lot of the work with regard to the team that they have working for them rather than we tell them this is what's happening, this is what you have to do and go do it. Oh, that's good. So you, 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 you kind of give give them responsibility for each job, total responsibility for yeah, each well, very, job. Yeah, very much so. So we empower them to own what they're doing. And so the, we also have a project manager, Chris, who he's actually a nominee builder. He's got his builder's licence and he's operating as our project manager so that I can focus on both working in and on the business. Yep. I did his role for four years myself and... The best move I ever made in business and hiring and moving people anywhere was by putting Chris in that position because it's allowed me to have time, like right now, to do this podcast interview with you and that, um, and to be able to work on the business and, and quote. So Yeah, and build I, your I business. Really, right. my, the, the most that I communicate with the guys has got really nothing to do with work. It's more to do with seeing how they're going personally and if they need anything from me. And, okay. And really how Chris is going. <laughs> so I get some yeah. feedback about everyone from each other. So you've started off and you've built the business up. You've got 13 on the team. Um, so how have you built the business? What, how have you been marketing it? Well, years ago, four or five years ago, I went and I did a KPI course, Key Personal of Influence, which I know that you're a big fan of. Yep. And I've done that. <laughs> yeah, great they're, they're, it's a great team. Anyone that wants to, to learn this, they need to go and do that or dent it, as it's now called. But I, I marketing the business, I, it, I've used Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube to try and build my authority as an expert in the industry. Okay. And then more recently, as our catalogue of works and our profile of works has gotten better and better, we've partnered with companies like Colorbond to to get videos and to get our photos and to get our work shared with other people. And basically because of the becoming an authority, becoming seen as a professional, which I claim to be, I'm not trying to fake that, but trying to 
let everyone else know that I am a professional and I'm an expert in what I'm doing. Other people have jumped on with that like Colour Bond and, and the other and role formers and they want us to do the work for their builders. So if they get leads, they bring that in. So it's more of a, oh, that's great. a referral system through the companies because they want to use us. Yep, that's excellent. That's So I have seen a couple of your, your videos and, you know, it's you're so passionate instead of like I'm not very good at video for example so I, I kind of steer clear of it but when I see you on video you're jumping around and you're so enthusiastic and the the love for what you do really really shines through so obviously video is something that you're you've embraced why is that uh, I, I'm not sure uh, I think it's to do with the fact that I can get through my it, it's directly from me and it's authentic Yep. So if something's authentic, then people will believe it. And I don't do it intentionally for that reason, but I have heard so many people say, well, they, they gain a lot of trust from me and the videos that I do, and they believe what I'm saying. Um, you just hit so the nail on the head, trust. You can't, it's a bit hard to do that in a static sort of written blog post, isn't it? Like you can, obviously, say all the yeah. right words, but when you see, when I see you, you know, on the job and showing people and, you know, look at this and look at that and this is wrong and this is how it should be done and da-da-da. All of a sudden, it's like you're there with you face-to-face. Yeah. You being able to use video effectively to demonstrate, um, you know, it's like it's like you're there in person. In fact, I think I once heard somebody else call you the Steve Irwin of Colourpon Roof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's... It, that's, that was actually very one of my best compliments I've ever had because I think very highly of the great man. But um, it kind of... You're like that in real life, aren't you? You're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, a like a Steve Irwin clone, but instead of chasing crocodiles, you're right into the Colourbond cladding. <laughs> well, you, you could say the nickname's not Colourbond Kenny and call it the Colourbond Hunter. <laughs> you could. <laughs> I don't know how that would come off. Uh, I have thought of doing some videos of getting around Australia and, and filming Colourbond places that have been built over the years and go oh, into detail about it. I think that would be what fantastic. What a great journey that would be, yeah. Be awesome. so, <laughs> look, I, I love it though, basically because it allows me to be me. And that, yes. That's really the, the be all, the end all of it and I enjoy it. It gives me so much energy from doing it. So that, that leads me beautifully into my next question is you're very passionate about your business and you get up early and I know you work late nights, but does it actually consume you? Like that is one of the fears that a lot of business owners have is that they're going to be working very, very long hours, the bigger and bigger that they grow and it's going to consume their whole life and they won't have any time for their wife and kids. How is it with you? Is that um, It's a journey. So <laughs> at the, in the beginning, uh, when we started the company five years ago as a licensed roofing cladding company, I worked a lot of hours and there was, there was huge hours that we did and it was, I saw it as dedication to get the uh, business off the ground. But going through with relationship issues and making sure that I didn't forget everyone else that was in it, I, I had to learn to try and balance things out. And that would be from having arguments with my wife with a lot of reflection time and it, it really made it, I worked out that I needed to dedicate time to family and dedicate time to free time. That yep. if I didn't lock that in, I would consume myself in business. And I don't want to be alive just to run my 
business. It's not, uh, why am I doing this? Yeah. I'm not doing it for the, to have the business. It's important that we ask ourselves that, isn't it? So how do, you, how do you go about, you said mentioned you lock time in. What, what do you mean by that? Well, every day I pick the kids up from school. Oh, okay. Um, so I have a four-year-old at kindy and a nine-year-old, and I pick them up every day from school, five days a week, and that's part that I, I – sometimes I have to ask for my wife to do that or sometimes my mum helps out and picks them up. But being that that's something which is the regular thing to do, I get to pick them up, take them home, spend an hour and a half completely not thinking about work uh, in the middle of the day when normally I'd be working. Mm. Uh, and I go home with them and spend or go to the shops with them, whatever it may be, that there has been a big part and that's probably the best business life decision we've made. But other than that, making goal setting, goal setting for holidays and making plans up to five years out of things that we want to do uh, as a family and making sure that we allot times for those well in advance so that if we have to do things in the business or what have you, we make sure we get it done outside of those times. Oh, right. Okay. So, what, so you've been able to like take, you know, plan your holiday, plan and book your holidays well in advance and they're set in stone. Yes. Well, that, that's exactly right. You pay for the flights, you, you organize everything. Uh, and it might be that we, we organize that we're going to do something two years down the track, but we won't book it for three to six months prior to, from a standpoint of making sure that that time is going to be right. So we'll say that that's as, the area of time we want to do it in and generally March and September are the two best times because they're the, probably the leanest times in construction for us. So we, we always book that in, but making sure that we're planned, just like picking the kids up from school every day. And so to pay for all of these things, do you do, and obviously, you know, you need to be running a profitable business. How, how do you go about, I know with many business people, it's a case of paying Peter to rob Paul. Look, oh, okay, I've got this holiday coming up. How am I going to find the money? Then there's the money for the tax. So that's the hard part of the business is the, is the cash flow and the planning. Have you got all that sussed out these days? Well, interesting in that, I, I, uh, as we spoke in our pre-interview, that, that one I find very, very easy because I'm very lucky. My wife is sensational with money. <laughs> she looks after all of the accounts in the business. She works one day a week, uh, sometimes two when it's needed, but she works one day a week and she allocates all the money for every job. So we're, we're never robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're always paying bills from the money that we're getting to or money that we already have in the bank. So we're never robbing, yeah, on, yeah. never wanting to go bankrupt. But years ago, I got onto the richest man of Babylon system and it just works. So paying yourself a little bit each each time you um, earn some money, mm -hmm. it just means that you've always got that little bit there to... Like to put aside for a rainy day when the yeah. money's a bit lean or something like that. So you pay yourself first. Yeah, well, to a degree. To a, it doesn't feel that way, but yeah, that's what happens. And also we pay for holidays using credit card reward points. Okay. That's a big thing <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the cash flow management side of it is, is a very hard thing, isn't it? Because you, you, you look at it and you say, right, well, if this is the payroll that I have to meet and these are all the ongoing expenses I have to meet and whatever's left over mm. is, is for me. I think but, biggest, the biggest thing, or there's lots of things that you can give advice in business, but when it comes to making sure that you're going to have a longevity in business, if I was starting a business and I wasn't good with money, which is me, but, and I didn't have someone that was good with money, I'd certainly look at engaging someone as a business partner or employing someone that can look after that money for you yeah. so that you're making 
good decisions uh, and you're you're setting yourself up. But, but to try and do it, if you're not good with money, going out and buying boats and things like that when you've got $150,000 in your account is not a smart move. No. No, you need to have money for the future and all yeah. unexpected things that crop up, um, whatever. Yeah, so you're right. It, the managing the money side of things is very important to, and if you're not good at it, get yeah. someone to help you. Look, that's been... I'm sure all the listeners will agree it's been illuminating uh, and interesting to, to hear your journey. What's in the future for Mike Ladders? Ah, in the future. This is all the exciting stuff. Well, MyCladders, we're, we're setting MyCladders up so that it can run almost autom- autonomously um, so that I can manage it but with not a hands-on role inside the business. So I can be the, the head of the business yet not having to have a day-to-day task like I do right now. So that's with, with my cladders. That's where we're aiming with that. And the, the next step is that we're, we're also a building company and I have a real passion for building architecturally designed homes. And that's where we are pushing. Once we get my cladders operating in the way that it is, so, so you mean you're putting all sorts of systems in place to have the have the have the 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 leads coming in, the proposals and quotes done, the business closed, the jobs running smoothly, so that it doesn't depend on you at all. Pretty much, yeah, that's okay. it. However, being that the trust, the the authenticity of the company, a lot of it does rely on me. That there has to be some form of transition where the whole team gets that recognition, not so much me. Yep. So everyone gets involved as being the trusted face of the company so that it transitions from me being the person of, of expert authority to the company itself being the experts. Yep. I get you. That's excellent. So you can then move on to uh, pursuing the next uh, phase, which is getting more involved with construction. Yes. Excellent. And then whoever, whatever else comes up, I don't know. <laughs> I, would, I would really like to be part of uh, helping young people grow into, well, my side being trade, I'd love to see people grow into trade, especially ones that either are underprivileged or I, I was a high school dropout. So I, I dropped out of school in year 11, never got a certificate for year 10. And I see that there's a lot of people out there that, go through the motions and get to year 12. They come out of year 12 and I've got no idea what they want to do. Just like myself, I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was probably in my late 20s. Yep. And I'm only I'm 36 now, but I really want to help people grow and give them mentoring through schools or through whatever way I can. I really love and get a lot of growth out of that. Oh, that sounds like an awesome objective to have. Good on you. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been very inspiring to to listen to you. Um, you're so full of energy and passion. It's just fabulous to see. And well, Annette, watch your you. journey with interest. <laughs> well, thank you for having me for my first podcast. I really appreciate it. And, um, my pleasure. What and I hope you... all the listeners got something out. Thank you, Ken. Well done for listening to this podcast. You've taken another step towards becoming a marketing genius. Visit tradiesuccess.com.au to grab the transcript of this podcast and other useful marketing goodies and take some sort of marketing action today.